Good morning. I'm glad to see all y'all. Nikki, it's great to have you back. Glad you had a safe trip. Um, Jackie, I know these times are hard for you right now, but I just want to say how beautiful it was listening to you sing, knowing what's going on with your family, and we'll be praying for you. So y'all please stand. We're going to read Romans 6, 1 through 14. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. <clears throat> that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has, has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from, from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin, sin shall have no dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just come to you today, and we just thank you that we just have this freedom that we can come together and just to worship without having to worry about persecution. Father, we just pray that you'll just speak to our hearts and to our minds and just uh, let your message resonate into, into our lives, Father. And just let all we do glorify you. Father, I love you and praise you. I just thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> so the past couple of weeks, we've talked a lot about sin and about going out in the community and standing in the gap for others. But what is sin? How can we stand up against sin if we don't know what it is? So when we ask that question, everybody says, oh, I know what sin is. It's the Ten Commandments. It's the thou shalt nots. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. But see, when, when God made Moses, gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he was giving it to a group of people that didn't know God. And this was the basics and just the beginning as he was trying to restore the relationship he had with them. But see, if we want to think about sin, we have to go back to Adam and Eve. And we have to look at what, what the sin actually was. You know, Adam and Eve was given complete freedom to do whatever they wanted and live in perfection. They could eat whatever they wanted to eat. They could do whatever they wanted to do. And God was going to provide for every need that they have. And they didn't have to put out any effort. So the sin wasn't that they ate from the fruit of the tree of life. The sin was what they, they took their focus off of God and put it on the things of the world. So we've got to understand that sin isn't doing something wrong. It's just that we take our focus off of God. A reporter once asked Billy Graham, what is sin? And his response was, a sin is any thought or action that falls short of God's will. 
God is perfect, and anything we do that falls short of His perfection is sin. The Bible describes sin as going against God's law. And the Greek word for sin is translated as missing the mark. Now, most of us growing up in the country, we probably all shot guns. We, uh, you know, you get a new gun, you put a new rifle on it, you set your target up, and you get ready to shoot. What? Go. Sorry. I don't know what I said, but I, evidently I said it wrong. Huh? Okay, whatever. <clears throat> Can you go back and edit this, John? Take this out? Okay. So let's start over. So, amen. Okay. So you get your gun set up, you put your scope on it, and uh, set your target up, you put your gun in a little rack, and you get ready, and you fire the first shot. Well, you know you're going to be way off the target. So you dial in the scope a little bit, and you shoot again, and you get closer to the target, and you dial it in a little more. See, that's the same way we are in life. You know, we're born as sinners, and when we first accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're way off the mark. But as we continue to study and continue to walk in his path, we get closer and closer to the mark. And over time, we start hitting closer to the bullseye. But see, now we live in a society where we don't call sin, sin anymore. Now many people believe that sin is a psychological or an emotional issue in which therapy, not repentance, is the solution. See, many churches offer anger management classes where they teach you how to control your anger, but they don't teach you to repent from your anger and to turn and walk away from it. You see, what we got to do is go to the altar, lay our sins down, and turn and walk away and not go back and pick it up. But that's not what the churches are teaching these days. The churches are teaching that we can control it. We have churches that have groups that help you overcome your addiction, not your sins. See, I have friends on both sides of this argument. I have many friends that are like me that were completely delivered and were released from our sins. And we laid it down and we walked away. And we've never had to struggle with it. And I've got many friends that have been clean and sober for 10 or 12 years. And they still struggle with it every day. Because they believe what the world tells them, once an addict, always an addict. You see, the world has got into their minds and they can't see past the fact that they are a new creation in Christ and the old man is gone and the new man is there. So they struggle with it their whole lives. And it's sad to see that, that they're, that they're living a righteous life and they're clean, but they, they tell themselves that they're still an addict. You see, we have turned sin into a disease that we believe we can treat and not a behavior for which we're responsible. There are many polls taken right now that state that Christians believe that premarital sex and homosexual behavior is not a sin. We see that going on in our churches right now, that our churches are not even preaching the Bible anymore. We see that causing a huge split in many churches right now. And if y'all want to pray about it, there's going to be a vote this week that's going to really affect this community. So please be in prayer for that. See, there are many Christians that believe that watching movies, TV shows, and listening to music full of filthy language, sexual scenes, or violence have no concern that they're going against Scripture. But Ephesians 3, or Ephesians 5, 3 through 7 
says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the locks, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, Paul's telling us that this type of behavior should not be in the Christian lifestyle. It shouldn't be in our life because it doesn't reflect God's presence in us. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to glorify God. Both of these verses tell us that whatever you do, that means if you're at work or if you're in the public or if you're in your own home, make sure everything you do brings honor to God and glory to God. We have to have that mentality that would we watch these movies or these TV shows if Jesus was sitting in the living room with us? Would we listen to this music if Jesus was riding in the car with us? Would we talk this way and use this language if we were talking to Jesus? So what is sin? So to really understand what sin is, we do have to go back to the Old Testament. The Jewish rabbi said there are 613 laws in the Old Testament. That's a lot of rules to follow. 365 of them are the thou shalt nots. Now out of these 613 laws, they're broken into three different categories. There's the ceremonial laws, the civil laws, and the moral laws. The ceremonial laws and the civil laws no longer apply to us, but the principles behind them should guide us. But the moral laws, such as the Ten Commandments, still apply to our lives today. Now again, when, when the Israelites were given these laws, this was when God was trying to just get them closer to him and trying to reintroduce himself to them. So when Jesus came on the scene many years later, they should have had a closer relationship with Jesus or with God. So when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, he took the Ten Commandments to a whole other level. Jesus said, you have heard, thou shalt not murder, but I'm telling you, you shouldn't even get angry. Jesus said, you've heard that you should not commit adultery, but I'm telling you that you shouldn't even lust. See, Jesus took it from sin being an action to sin even being a thought. So we have to grow along with that. So we'll talk about a few sins that we don't really consider anymore. One of them being idolatry. You see, when we think about idolatry, we think about, well, we don't worship other gods, so we don't have to worry about that. We all have one God. But what about our cell phones? I'm sure we've all been to restaurants and where we've seen families not even speak to each other because they're all sitting there on their phones. You know, these kids these days, they'll sit next to each other and text each other instead of talk to each other. But what about the altar of the God of self? How many times do we worship ourselves? Materialism, trying to build up our own ego, trying to make sure we have the most expensive clothes, the newest phones, the newest watches, making sure we have all the stuff so people will think we're somebody. How many of us get obsessed with our careers? We spend way too many hours working 
trying to make sure that we get all the stuff we want, make sure we get the promotion, make sure we're making all the money instead of paying attention to the gifts that God's given us like our family. Now we'll sit there and we'll tell ourselves that we're doing it for our family to give them the things that we didn't have. But that's not really the truth. We're doing it for ourselves. You know, we spend a lot of hours at work trying to live this lifestyle that's above our means instead of just humbling ourselves and living with what God's provided us. And what about witchcraft? Witchcraft something we don't have to think about in Quanah, Texas, right? That only happens down in the bayou or down in Hades or Jamaica or somewhere, but we don't have to worry about that in Quanah, Texas. But see, that's where we're wrong. You see, witchcraft is any practice that dabbles in the power source other than Jesus. How many of us have read horoscopes? How many of us have played with Ouija boards as kids? How many video games are there with uh, witchcraft in them? How many shows do we watch? How many shows do we allow our kids to watch with witchcraft in them? You see, these are all little subtle things that we don't really understand, that we don't think is bad. But we're opening a portal for the enemy to get in. What about hatred, discord, jealousy, dissensions? Those don't really hurt anybody, right? They all lead to gossip, and gossip don't really hurt nobody. Gossip leads to bullying. You know, if I can talk bad about somebody and get three or four people to join in, then we can all start talking bad about this person. And then we can turn other people against this person. And then before we know it, we've turned everybody against this person. Now this person is sad, upset, and lonely, and often leads to suicide. All because we were jealous of somebody, so we started talking bad about them. We see that all over the world these days as, as more and more young people are committing suicide because of being bullied. And these kids have it a lot harder than we did because now they're cyberbullying. Now they don't even have to say it to your face. You can say it from another town. Somebody posts a picture on Facebook or Instagram or whatever these kids do these days, and you can read all the comments. And it's just, it's horrible. But see, all these sins are, are actions, things that you've done wrong. But James 4.17 says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. See, that takes it to a whole other level now. We know it's a sin to lie, but it's also a sin to know the truth and to not tell it. That gets a little deeper there. We know it's a sin for somebody to steal something, but it's also a sin for us to not go to them and say, hey man, you're doing wrong. You see, Christ didn't call us to, have, to be timid when it comes to leading people down the right path. That's Satan. Satan wants us to be timid. Satan wants us to think we're not supposed to offend others. But we are to go out and in a loving manner tell people that they're living wrong. But then what about, well, Christians aren't supposed to judge. That's in the Bible, right? That's only a half-truth. Matthew seven fifteen. No, what was it? 7, 1 through 6, I think. I got it wrote down wrong. 7, 1 through 5. That's why I said 15. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? 
Or how do you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly the speck in your brother's eye. See, this isn't Jesus saying, don't judge. This is Jesus saying, get your act right first, and then go out and hold others accountable for what they're doing. See, one of the biggest reasons that we don't hold other people accountable is because we have secret, buried down sins in our own lives that we don't want exposed. So we don't want to go to them and say, hey, you're living wrong, because they're going to say, well, what about you doing this? See, that's what this verse is talking about. It's not telling us that we shouldn't hold other people accountable. It just says that we should simply get ourselves in check before we go out and address other people. So I'm going to leave you all with this today. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you're free to choose between two masters, but you're not free to adjust the consequences of your choice. Sin leads to eternal death, and the gift of God leads to eternal life. So we have to be able to search our souls a little bit more. And we have to stop thinking that just because the world does it, it's okay for us to do it. We have to stop thinking that, well, as long as I'm not involved in it, that's not a problem. We have to stand up for our community. We have to stand in the gap for our community. But that means we've got to get our lives right first. We've got to get our hearts in the right place first. And then we've got to go out to others. And we've got to love them. And we got to love them enough to say, man, what you're doing is wrong. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way we're supposed to go. See, it takes work. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us things are going to be easy. It takes work, and we have to be willing to be the, be the servants, to go out and do what we got to do, and to help our youth, and to help our community. Will you please stand? We're going to open up the altar. And if anybody has any unconfessed sins, confess them. You don't have to come up here and confess them. Just confess them to God. Take this moment to really think, to really reflect on your life and your heart and think about the thoughts that you have. You see, just because we don't commit the sin doesn't mean we're living right. If we're even considering it, we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to truly give our lives over to God and to follow Him. So will you pray with me? Father God, we just come to you today. We just ask that you'll just search our hearts, search our souls and our minds, Father. And if there's anything in us that's not of you, Father, we ask that you'll just expose it to us. Bring it to the surface so that we can give it over to you, Father, and ask for, ask for forgiveness and turn away from it. Father, we just pray that you'll just be with us and guide us. Just lead us into this community and just let a revival start in this community, Father. It's just, man, I really, I really feel a lot of pain and anguish going on in this community right now, Father. And I just pray that you'll just be with us and just guide us and just give us opportunities to minister and to show your love. Father, we love you and we praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.